Today I will be reading from 1 Peter, verse 5 through 11. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Special day, and you got that extra hour, right? I got I got in on a uh, a flight last night at, at uh, about midnight, and I'm telling you that extra hour makes all the difference. And it's uh, also a special day. It's Pastor Nick's birthday, and so you know you can yeah. And it's the last Sunday before Election Day. Another special day, right? So what we want to do right now is, is pray. Uh, for that, but before I, we do that, I want to give you an invitation that on Tuesday, this this Tuesday, which is Election Day, our sanctuary will be open from um, nine in the morning until eight at night. Just there for you, we'll have some things there that might help you pray, uh, some little prompts. But it, don't you, hey, do do we need to pray? Do you think for what just our, our everything right now, and, and, and um, we want to make that available to you. So if you can come for any, any part of that. Let's pray for Tuesday right now. Our Father, as your children and as citizens of another kingdom, our first citizenship is not here. And uh, we want to do what you tell us to do, which is to honor and pray for all those in authority over us. And we have the privilege now of being part of determining who those are. And we ask for your wisdom to give us insight that is beyond what we can naturally come up with. We're praying for, uh, for people, Lord, and we're praying for a nation that's not perfect, for people who aren't perfect, for political parties that aren't perfect. We're praying for our own imperfect hearts to somehow do your will, find your will, submit ourselves to you. And so we ask for that. We ask for um, unity in our nation as well, in the outcomes that are there. And we pray against all of that which divides. So we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So uh, Peter, I I believe, is this is our our last Sunday in this series, by the way, called Going Against the Flow. And I believe Peter has, has given us some help in what we're about as citizens in this world. And maybe Tuesday you'll hear some of his voice ringing in your ears. Uh, next Sunday, we, we go back to the Gospel of Mark and where we picked off, uh, we, we left off last spring. We'll pick up right there. But um, what Peter has been saying to us is that we are exiles. And he's said that over and over and over again. That you're an exile here as you walk through this life. And that because of that, you will suffer in, in some way. And we, we talked about that continuum of suffering that begins with social alienation. But, and sometimes it's harder than that. But that when you suffer for walking with Christ, 
that you would not respond in ways that are familiar to our world or uh, some of the ways that we've, we've heard maybe in the election ads. That would not be part of who we are. But rather we would suffer in the way that Christ suffered and uh, not strike back. In, so Christ is our model. Not only is our, he our model, but he's also our source of, of grace that allows us to do that because we do get anxious and angry and, and that sort of thing. So that's been Peter's voice to us. I think it's been pretty consistent throughout. Uh, we've seen it in this letter. Today we want to look at his last words. And when somebody gives you their last words, they're giving you something that maybe they've thought a little bit more deeply about. They're like, I've got to get this in there. And so uh, the last, we're going to look at these uh, four things that we are called to do as exiles, to humble ourselves or to clothe ourselves with humility, to cast all of our anxieties upon him, to resist the devil, and then to grab onto the promises that are there for us to grab onto. And so we'll begin with the first one, which is to humble ourselves or to clothe ourselves with humility. Put on a, a clothing of humility in uh, verse 5 and 6. I want to make that illustration work. I want to use this and uh, remind our, ourselves of this journey that we're on. This is the exile journey that goes, it's a windy journey and there's lots of trials and temptations along the way. But we come out of this old reality here and pride is a big part of that old reality that Christ wants to wash out of us. When we come to the communion tables today, there's no place for pride there. You just can't do it. It, it doesn't work that way. So, uh, we, we, but we still struggle with it. And there's a religious road here and a non-religious road. And uh, oftentimes it's because the religious people are so proud, they can't give in to the invitation to walk across the river uh, of choice that is all about God's grace. And this is all grace over here. It's all grace. None of this is earned. We participate in the grace of the Lord over there. Now, now pride has two forms, and this is often missed. We know the, the one form is when we see somebody who's narcissistic or self-magnifying, and they, they talk about themselves all the time, and they're always trying to position themselves in a better way. They're looking down on other people. They're looking down on people who are different than they are, uh, whatever that difference may be, and uh, that's, we, we understand that. And they basically have this little mantra inside themselves that says, I'm not that bad, and God is not that mad. Think about it. It's really true. We, we, just, we, we underestimate the holiness of God, and we overestimate our own holiness, and we kind of just slur it together and think that we're okay because we're us. But it's really a self-preoccupation, right? So we know about that one. But there's, a, there's also another one that is the lower form, and it's, it's, it's about you, though, and that's anything that is all about you is where pride is located. And, and that one is about not self-magnifying, but self-hating. And you just, uh, you hate yourself for whatever reason, things that you've done, or you're so concerned about how others view you. And we've all done this, folks, so don't, don't I mean, it's the proud person that would say, that's not me. <laughs> we're, all, we're all in both camps. And uh, here's, here's how uh, uh, the self-magnifier needs to understand that they're bad enough that Jesus had to die for them. There was no other way. And the self-hater needs to understand that Jesus died for them because they're so valuable. 
And, and oftentimes we can go through both of those things in the same day or the same hour. So we look to Peter and his story, and we remember that uh, 30 years earlier, before he wrote this letter, 30 years back in time, on the night when Jesus was, right before he went to the cross the next day, that Peter put out the word that he was the one who would stand with Jesus when everyone else failed. You can count on me, Lord. Have you ever said that to anybody? I will not let you down. And yet we know that within a few hours, he did let him down. And we find Peter, Peter there in a puddle of tears, hating himself. Now, that's not just Peter, folks. That's us. We put it out there that I am, I am the one who is better than other people. And then within hours, we're hating ourselves. So this is the, this is the, the, the it's all pride, though. It's all based in the self. And Jesus wants to get us out of that old reality, living over here in the grace. And pride blocks grace. It is an anti-grace blocker. So clothe yourselves with humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. Maybe that'll help. I I believe that's a C.S. Lewis quote. So uh, it's getting a sober view of who you are. And part of that sober view of who you are is you are loved and valued but you're not God. So it's, it's finding that, that solid place where God tells you who you are. All right, clothed with humility. Secondly, we're, we remember that we are to cast all of our cares or all of our anxieties upon God. As exiles, you're going to have some anxieties. As human beings, we're going to have some anxieties. So they come in, in many categories. Let me list just a few for you because if you're thinking... You don't have any anxieties today. Well, don't worry about it. No, um, no but you probably do. And uh, maybe you're having a lighter day. But they come in categories of work and home and school and grades and finances and future things on the calendar that are just there that you know that day's coming. There's health concerns. Have I kind of given you enough here to think about? And what I want you to do, if you're going to cast those anxieties or cares upon the Lord because he loves you, you're going to have to name them. So I want you to think right now of three, no more than three, because you can't carry those, you can't cast those in one hand, but maybe just one if it's a big one, or, or two or three. And, and name those and put, put your hand out like this. This is kind of an exercise we're going to do together. And um, so get them there and locate them and then, and then just do this. Come on. Cast them, cast them, just let them go, fling them, not to return ever. Well, you know how that works. Sometimes we have these little, little tether strings that they pop back into our orbit. But here's, here's what I want to get you to do, is to think of those things as orbiting, like little moons that orbit around the planet. And they hover out there. And, they, and what we want to do is cast them to the Lord, who has a, a, a gravitational force that's called love, that absorbs them into himself, and allow him to take our cares away. He invites you to cast your cares upon him. Isn't that good news? Yeah, we need that. We need that. So, having having done that that exercise, we can let's just. Why did Peter include that in his last words? And we remember that he not only was proud in his past in that time when he said he would do you know what no one else could do, go boldly where no one has gone before, but he then melted down. And why did he melt down in that puddle of, of tears and self hate? It was because he was anxious. He didn't want to be seen as a follower of Jesus. And maybe you've been there. 
that anxiety that comes from that place. And he said, I don't even know Jesus. After walking with him for three years, he said he didn't even know him. So it was anxiety. Peter knows what it is like to be proud, and he knows what it's like to be anxious. Okay, the third uh, thing on our to-do list as exiles is to resist the devil. Let me read for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. So without getting too much into this, uh, we'll save it for another day, uh, the, the topic of the devil. But basically modern people, and you are modern people, more or less. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at you. And we tend to think, and, and Christians are included in this, that we tend to fall into two categories. We think that the devil is something that was in the past and superstitious. Uh, people believed in him, but that he's not real today. We have science now. We have other ways of explaining things that happen in life. And we know that that's just kind of an old way of thinking. There's that extreme, and then there's the other extreme, which sees the devil behind everything, including the curtains over there and the tables here, and he's just there, you know he's there, and we overfocus on him. So we either say he doesn't exist, and we laugh at him rather than fear him, or we fear him too much. Instead, the Bible talks about the devil in a way that's very sober, just like it's very realistic. He's not everything. He doesn't control everything. He has influence, especially if you allow him to have influence in your life. Jesus talked a lot about the devil. He had confrontations with the devil. The Apostle Paul says that your enemy is not flesh and blood. Now, however, whoever you're voting for or not voting for, or whatever your feelings are on Tuesday, that's not the real enemy. And you, you have to flush all that out and look behind get with spiritual eyes and see that there are dark forces behind all of that and pray that's where prayer comes in as opposed to these political ads that are attacking i mean it's just nuts but we see differently as exiles we have a different king we have a different kingdom all right so the devil and uh, the opportunities of the devil are called footholds he gets a foothold he gets his foot into that place where he can get traction and what are two of the devil's favorite footholds well why do you think peter talked about pride and anxiety. They are famous footholds that the devil gets his foot in. Just to prove the point, Peter, we already said, he did this thing with pride. And uh, then, you know, Jesus, I'm the one. I'm the one who can stand up against anything. And then he's in an anxiety meltdown. But what did Jesus say to Peter on that night before any of that happened? They had this meal together, and then there was a conversation. And Jesus said to Peter, after he boasted, you know, and all, Jesus said, Peter, tonight Satan will sift you like wheat. And that's exactly what happened. Satan comes into the pride of Peter. He comes into the anxiety of Peter. And Peter ends up in a self-hating puddle of tears. That's how it works. Satan looks for opportunities. He's, He's an opportunist, and we are the ones who give him those opportunities through our pride and anxiety. Then Peter just adds something here that I want to Uh, touch on briefly about uh, that there are those out there, your brothers and sisters throughout the world, who are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings that you are. This is uh, 
November is the month where the church decides around the world to remember those Christians who are being persecuted, which is happening today, as it was in Peter's time. Great time to remember this for us. And so I got onto the Voice of the Martyrs website this week, which is a group that is advocating for those who are being persecuted. And I, I got the story of uh, Cheng Ji, a, a young a Chinese mother. She's actually a pastor's wife, uh, in, probably in her uh, late 20s or so. She has two little children. She has a, a daughter and a son. And this was in 2014 when she was arrested, but the daughter uh, was three and the son was one, and she was arrested. Now, why was she arrested? She was uh, a kindergarten director, and she was using the Bible in the kindergarten to teach how to read. So that, you know, that did not go over well with the authorities. She was arrested. She was put in jail for two years. And in, that, in her jail experience, she became a witness of Christ. In the, just a few months ago, she was released... And now she's back with her children. And it was hard for her, just think about this, moms. It was hard for her kids to remember who she was in, in those two years that she was away. And it's great that she's out, but she'll have to live with that black mark on her uh, resume record for, uh, and her family as well. There's, there's social shame involved in all of that. People are being persecuted today. We remember that. We're on a spectrum. The spectrum begins with those who are sincerely wanting to follow Jesus Christ and they experience social alienation. And I know that we have stories of that here. We all feel that pressure. And it escalates up to people who are ultimately the martyrs. And everything in between, that's what Peter is talking about here. We're all on that spectrum somewhere if we're following Christ depending on the context. And we can be thankful that at this time in history, we are not being thrown in jail for reading from the Bible. But who knows what the future will bring. I'm not introducing any more anxiety there, but that's the world. All right, promises of God. That's a good way to end. So Peter uh, ends there. Let me read that for you, verses 10 and 11, and then we'll go to the communion table. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, and we remember that, The call to eternal glory begins when we say yes to Jesus Christ. Whenever that is or was, the invitation to come to Christ is when we enter into eternal life. The myth or the thing that we need to correct is that eternal life begins when you die. No, that's just the next chapter. But eternal life begins when Christ, the eternal one, comes into your life. So um, Peter is, is making that point, I think, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ And then he says, after you have suffered a little while. Well, that's the second time we found that phrase. We found it back in chapter 1. A little while. How long must I suffer? If you've been sick recently, just think about when you're sick and you have a chronic illness or you have what's supposed to be a short-term illness that doesn't go away and you you keep going back to the doctor and they keep trying to figure it out. What's a little while? Would somebody please... This is the... The psalmist, how long, O Lord, would you please define for me what a little while means? And I'll tell you what it means is that you have to walk by faith. You know, we don't get to define how long a little while is. And um, that's uh, Peter himself. So for for the the woman in China, I just mentioned it was two years. That's her little while. For Peter, it may have been a year after this, or we don't know exactly, but he was martyred for his faith. That was his little while. And whatever, you know, it, it's, it's, it's customized to each one of us, and we walk by faith, not knowing when it ends. 
But ultimately, we know that the promises of God go beyond our little while of suffering. And he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So I want to just close by throwing this up there. This is uh, uh, based on the Narnia view of, of, you know, Aslan. But we also remember that in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ is presented as the, the Lion of Judah. He is the Lion of God. And this Lion, the kids need to hear this, this Lion tames every other Lion. This, this is the one, the God of power, as Peter talks about. This is the one who defines what our little wow is and then delivers on all the promises that are made to us as we stand firm for a little while. He's the one who renews us and restores us. This is where our hope lies in Jesus Christ. Are you ready for some confession of sin? Maybe sin related to your pride and anger, because that's what we're going to do. Are you ready? You think you need it? If you'd say no, you really need it. (laughs) All right. Stand up. We'll do this together, and we'll pause after uh, this, on this, at the bottom of this slide. Let's read together. Gracious and holy Lord, we confess to you our pride, our thinking too highly or too lowly of ourselves, and our self-centered ways. We also confess to you our anxiety, which comes from the same place. We acknowledge our sin. Let's just pause. Let's read together. This is not the life you want for us. By your grace, we ask for you to wash us clean, and we thank you for the promise of forgiveness in Christ. Amen.